0: Welcome to the Deuce Podcast. I'm Brad. And I'm Jeremy. Jeremy, we are doing uh, episode 151 of the Deuce Podcast. 151.
1: That seems ridiculous. It
0: seems ridiculous, but it's also Pride Month. And we decided there's not that many, well, sequels to gay movies. Yeah. I mean, there's not really. And when you do get them, they're kind of not tremendous uh, in certain aspects of it so we were having a hard time trying to find a sequel yeah to celebrate because we want to celebrate pride yeah but there,
1: there was only a there was Us. a few examples that we could come up with but a lot of times mm-hmm. you're talking about like one-off dramas and mm-hmm. and things like that that don't necessarily feed into mm-hmm. another sequel so yeah
0: and uh we did find perhaps a sequel as such you would say yeah maybe
1: yeah, and I think that's and we'll kind of explain we'll why explain a little bit. That. But this is you know, the those of you who have been listening for quite some time know that, you know, occasionally we have to fudge a little bit to yes. make sure that uh you know, we're getting some some mm-hmm. good stuff out to you. And uh, you know, like sometimes we kind of go along the lines of spiritual sequels mm-hmm. or like unofficial sequels or things like that. This is I think mm-hmm. one of those that's kind of uh, mm-hmm. it falls into those categories, but we'll, mm-hmm. we'll circle back to that and kind of explain a little bit. More. I don't know.
0: I didn't hear anything after you said fudge. Now I'm hungry for fudge. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> um, is we're going to do the 20, uh, when, when did this come out? 2009. Yes. Is when it came out, it's an Englishman in New York It is what we're calling a sequel to the naked civil servant. Uh Quentin Crisp. Uh, oh, can't say it. Can't talk today. Quentin, Quentin Crisp. Crisp. Quentin Crisp. I gotta say it like him. If I do say his name, um, it's basically kind of an autobiography, uh biopic. Yeah. You would say of his life. This would be later on when he moved mm-hmm. to the states in um around um what late seventies or uh you know early eighties. Yeah you know around that time mm-hmm. um into so, the 90s yeah, in yeah. the ni- into the 90s yes yeah cuz it goes on through mm-hmm. through that and uh just his his experiences during that uh, time in life and uh, especially um, what was going on around that time uh, of course it talks about uh, the aids pandi- uh, pandemic that was uh mm-hmm. you know very fresh and very new at the time and um, basically it just follows you know Quentin Crisp his, in his later years of know, life. His later years of life, yeah. Yeah. And we decided to have a guest on, correct? Yes,
1: we were very honored. We were very to have honored
0: to have a wonderful guest. On. He is an Englishman in New York himself. Uh, he is a CEO and co-founder of uh, Gray Jones Media, which produces um such fabulous uh shows like Jonathan's Kitchen and Stan the Mechanic. Yep. We had Stan the Mechanic on himself. Yes. John... He was on our screen.
1: Yes. episode. Amazing episode. Amazing
0: episode. This is actually his husband we have. We have Richard G. Jones from New York himself. He's an Englishman in New York. Say hi, Richard.
1: Hey, guys.
2: How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you so much for coming on. We
0: are blessed to have you.
2: Oh, it's a thrill. It's a real treat to, to come on, and I'm very honored to be your Englishman in New York. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. Wonderful episode.
0: So tell us about uh, Grey Jones Media and all the fabulous stuff you got going oh. on there.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate you You mentioning that. Yes, we, we, um, we just put out a cooking show called Jonathan's Kitchen, starring uh, a chef called Jonathan Barczyk. Um, It's on Reverie. And uh, we filmed that actually in 2019, towards the end of 2019, and then kind of got caught in the pandemic with the kind of post-production. So it's just come out. So we had a kind of, uh, it's been a bit longer journey than you expected, but we're very, very, very pleased with it. Um, as you know, we did Stand the Mechanic last year and we've got more episodes coming out that will be on, uh, we're not quite sure where they're going to end up because they're public, the next few episodes of Stand the Mechanic are public domain movies. So we've got lots of options of where we could put it. So we're kind of just working on the post-production of those episodes as well. Um, and then we, we as a company, we founded, well, I founded Bear World Magazine and with kind of got subsumed into the new company that is still me and my business partner Robin Gray, we now run Gray Jones Media, and we we call ourselves a queer media company. And we do, you know, talk about the television shows we've done, and we uh, we run and own Bearworld Magazine, Queer Forty, Gaming Mag, and uh, later this year we'll be launching our travel magazine. And, yes. and we call them magazines, but they're all online. Just to be clear, um, we don't print anything; it's all very digital. So yeah, that's who we are. Sounds great. Excellent. I yeah. love it.
0: And I and I, had, I checked the first episode of Jonathan's Kitchen. Love him and yes. love the show and Aww. love the concept.
2: Thank you, thank you. It was a real treat. I mean, it 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 was uh, it was a joy to make. We filmed it all in D.C. in two weeks. Although we had, I think we had a week or two weeks in between. I can't even remember now what the gap was. But we filmed it all in two weeks in kind of like the the late summer, early fall, um, and uh, just filmed it in mostly in his house and all in and around D.C. and um yeah it was it was it was great very small crew um shout out to Catelyn, uh, who kind of filmed it all edited it all post production Catelyn Stellian media if he's listening um Jonathan of course created it uh, he's based off his he has a book called seasons to taste so basically oh. he took the stories that he tells in his in his cookbook um and weaved that into the kind of the show so it, it, he just called he calls himself a, a storyteller, cook, and author. Mm. So he he didn't go to culinary school. He's never run a restaurant, and he doesn't want to either. He he loves what food <laughs> does in terms of bringing people together. I love it. So we wanted to. So that's why the show probably feels very different to what people expect. It's not a let me show you how to cook this food and how to put it on a plate and look fan- fancy. It's about let me cook some great food and tell you some stories about some great people that are going to sit at my table tonight. So yeah, it's very different. And and weirdly feels so lovely for now even though it was not intended to come out now coming out as we're coming out of the pandemic and getting back around the table with friends uh it feels so lovely to be um to to kind of come out of this time and you know a really lovely happy accident so yeah Yeah, i love it
1: and you know and and what you said too with his cooking style and everything i find to be spot on like i think I first saw a video of him, I think when, even before uh, we we did the Scream episode, um, you know, we had uh, kind of saw Stan the Mechanic and started digging into more things. And I saw some right. of uh, his, saw some of the, uh, like, morning show, like, cooking things that he yes. had done. And yes. I noticed, like the thing that got me every time was that like everything he was doing, it was very accessible. Mm -hmm. And he also didn't overplay that. Mm. Like he was just like, he was just like, Hey, look, I'm not, you know, I'm not some classically trained chef. I'm just showing you stuff I've learned. And here it is. And it's very accessible. You can do this too. And I really enjoyed that. And it didn't make me feel like sometimes I see these things where I'm like, all right, let's do this recipe. And they go, Okay, step one, and they start doing <laughs> things and saying things that I'm like, I've never even heard of this. Yeah, what is this? Yeah. I can't do this. But he is very, like, accessible, and I love it, and I think that, uh-huh. you know, there's a lot of people out there who have that level of skill, and they can do it. They just need to have somebody who can take them there easily and show them what they yeah. need to do, so.
2: Definitely, definitely. I You know, I mean, I I love to cook, but I... I i i only follow recipes to the tea when it's baking because that is a science
1: yeah so yes. if i'm
2: not baking i only really do a recipe from the book the first time and then kind of play with it and you know sometimes you don't have an ingredient and then you have to kind of you know but you know I, again i think you know food as long as you're cooking food for yourself that makes you happy or your friends happy i mean i think that's the thing and i think that's what he exudes it's not about learning a lesson and putting yourself to a test and being scored on it it's about make some food make it tasty uh, to the best of your ability, and, and actually get people around a table to eat it. I think his passion, and you'll probably tell me off for this, is probably not so much the cooking piece, although, of course, he's brilliant at it. Um, he loves what the food does to get people together. Um, I mean, he does his own test kitchen. Like, he'll get friends around. Pre-pandemic, he was getting friends around, I think, every week or every couple of weeks to t- to test some new recipe he's yeah. trying. And he'd yeah. feed everybody, uh, get their feedback, and, you know, It may go into one of his books or something that he does for his like corporate functions, you know, so he and he loved that. That was his that was his I guess he'll go back to it now, but that was his work pre the show and everything else. And it would feed into all the rest of his kind of food world. So um, a joy to find him and his creativity and kind of why he he wanted to do a show that he could kind of control a bit. Because, you know, once you go to the big networks, they want you to, you know, cook with a hand behind your back and all, do all these weird things that <laughs> he on cooking shows that yeah. he just isn't prepared to do. And I don't blame him. It's just not what, he, you know, He it wouldn't give the joy that he gives. So it was great. And also an opportunity for us to, to get into a field of television that we hadn't done before. So we, we were all kind of brand new and really learned together. And it, it it's come out joyous. So we're very, very proud of it. I love it. Yeah,
1: very Thanks. excellent. You guys are
0: making Thanks. me hungry.
2: I
1: know, right? I know. <laughs> But what I'm
0: really hungry for right now is to talk about our movie. From Quentin Chris. Yeah. Some Quentin Crisp. Some Quentin Crisp. An Englishman Chris. In, in New York. Correct. And yes. Jeremy, do we have a plot synopsis? I mean, there really isn't a plot.
1: I mean, no, there's plot. There's it's plot, but not like a, the you later know, like a traditional Quinn, movie. It's just the it's later, later years biopic, of you know? Quentin Crisp's life in New yes. York. I mean, we pretty much summarized it earlier. So. Right. We summarized
0: it. But you don't. You didn't find anything? Because usually you come up with something fun. The
1: later years of Quentin Crisp's life in New York. Yeah, but don't don't you have, like, a a fun one? The later years of Quentin Crisp's life (laughs) in New York. I love it.
0: This was a delight to watch. Um, I don't know, Richard, if you knew a lot about uh, Quentin um, back uh, in England. Or when did you move to New York or the States?
2: Yeah, I, I have been in America. I think it's... I, I think it's coming up for six years, maybe more okay. than six years. Maybe if I, I I can't work, I can't work out. I, I, it's five or six years, maybe, maybe seven at the end of this year, it'll be about seven. So something like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up, obviously I'm English. I grew up in England, lived in London for a while, um, moved around, uh, England and different places. I've lived in Northern Ireland and I've lived in Essex. Um, and Quentin crisp as a kind of character growing up and kind of being a young gay man kind of was on the periphery but I think you know by the time I got to London in 1989 he was then kind of very established in America and maybe not so much in the the kind of forefront sure um, of our minds and then you look back when the, the TV show came out of the naked civil servant again periphery I was aware of it but never really dived into it it was a TV show in the 70s and then back then things weren't as repeated as the way they are now right. or, or accessible to kind of watch, you know, a show that's 10 years old now, like, uh, if not 20 years old, like, um, uh, and of course I'm going to forget a name, but like Will and Grace, like that, like that's just a constant piece of our television culture, culture that yeah. and accessible. If I want to watch an episode now, I can watch it kind of thing. So in that growing up period, you didn't have that. So it wasn't kind of readily available unless you really sort it out. So mm-hmm. it's really only in later years where I've been able to find the stories about him and then getting and i had seen the movie before but a long time ago and then Mm -hmm. it was really great to to watch it again this week and kind of revisit um (laughs) john hurt and his amazing portrayal of quentin chris just wonderful
0: now when you saw manhattan for the first time like Quentin,
2: did you go oh
0: this is heaven this
2: is wonderful Um, or not (laughs) (laughs) that's a very good question i mean it's funny because i remember I, i i do remember the first time i saw manhattan in the flesh as it were Um, and it was coming from Newark airport and driving in a, and I can tell you exactly it was in a a black Lincoln town car (laughs) and we drove and then you saw the skyline of Manhattan and to a little British boy who you know I loved London and I'd always said I'd never leave London unless it was for Paris or Rome or New York so it was kind of thrilling to kind of come to New York and see it in its glory I mean America's so so much in british culture because of i think our shared language so tv and movies are so easily shared Mm. um so i you know i i love so many movies and so many american tv shows i mean i'm very familiar with the cosby show i'm very familiar with roda um obviously the umpteen movies umpteen million movies that my dad forced us to watch (laughs) uh, mostly (laughs) westerns and mostly war films were very american driven and you know no shame in that we share a language so it's been easy but so yeah yeah, so it, it america wasn't um, foreign in a way to me, but obviously the experience of it was just that first time of seeing the skyline of New York. Hmm. Um, magical. That's great. Magical. Yeah. I love that.
1: Well, and yeah. and I think you know, and I I can't imagine like going from London to New York. Uh, you know, we here we're in in the middle of the U.S. and yeah, we're in, in Omaha. Yeah, like and I remember <laughs> okay. I used to be from St. Louis area, so I remember as a kid the first time even going to St. Louis, and I thought it was like. Oh my gosh, this is amazing! Like, just I'd never seen anything like it, and uh, yeah, you know, seeing a place like New York or Chicago or you know some some giant mm. metropolis is just yeah. so like it's almost like it's just so amazing and overwhelming mm. at the same time. Like, uh, it's just I, I it.
0: remember the first time I saw Kansas, and I was like, wow, this is flat. <laughs>
1: just so
2: flat absolutely <laughs> but, th- but these places are so in our culture in stories yeah. and movies and i think you know you you think you know them but it actually until you get to them then until you, you said you are yeah. wowed by them because actually it's totally different you know in one respect to the, the kind of storybook versions of those places right um and i think that to me that's where the wow comes that actually seeing those skyscrapers up close and, and like walking yeah. amongst them is is that very first time very very amazing
0: and um, that, that culture of like how quentin says how and you were talking to me earlier jeremy yeah. about how in england when no one's really looking at each other and people are walking they're not really saying hi and then he gets to new york and everyone's just so and you know nice you know well not nice but you know yeah. nicer you would say in a way i mean you got that culture well, aspect not even as well.
1: not even necessarily the nice aspect right. but the outgoing the aspect, outgoingness of, i think yeah. is what he and in like interviews we watch with him he kind of comments on mm. and i and yes. I don't know richard like do you find that to be
2: the case um it's a good question um that's a really good question uh I... I guess. I mean, it's. I mean, right. no one's saying hi to me in the street that doesn't know me, so I don't. I haven't necessarily experienced that. But I think the the culture of welcomeness to somebody who's different right. is probably where it, it really resonates. Is that no one's bothered that I'm British? They are just like come and you know, if, if you want to join in or you want to go to somewhere people are lovely. Um, and I think when I was first in New York, when I was younger, visiting, um, because the first time I came to New York, I was I I was out and gay, but not on that trip because that was a corporate trip where i was so i didn't go to gay bars or anything because i was on like the corporate dollar for a business trip and young so (laughs) i was like not even confident enough to kind of go like i'm ditching my boss and i'm gonna go out like i just too scared to do that so it wasn't until i came again a little bit later on as an older more kind of coming for the reasons i wanted to be in new york um that i really experienced new york and going to bars and having Somebody at a bar buy me a drink or say nice things. You know, it just felt, yeah. that that didn't happen in British pubs and bars. You know, it just didn't. Not gotcha. for me anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a really good memory of kind of experiencing that friendliness. Um, that I, I mean, it seemed friendly to me. I mean, I don't know whether, if someone's trying to pick me up. Great, but it just it felt friendly, you know, regardless. So right. Um, and you know, you, you, you know, you have that kind of. Uh, not, um, *Torch Song Trilogy*, just to talk about another movie, such mm-hmm. a powerful movie that I oh saw God. at seventeen, that gave me such an image of what New York is. To then come and and kind of almost experience some of that, um, was kind of perhaps very powerful, very powerful to me. And then now living here, in the city that I now call home and love as well, is uh, it's 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 weird that I now live in the city that Rhoda. Is it? I, <laughs> I love that. That, that. to is, me, is, you I, really I love Rhoda. Like, you know,
0: I, <laughs> I love because I'm as a big so, Mary um, Tyler Moore fan, and then oh, you know, and so to have Rhoda, you keep talking about her, and I'm like,
1: yes. And oh, so it,
2: she, it, we we I, just watched Lou I, Grant.
0: I, We're just going through all that. We're like, yes.
2: <laughs> it's, see, I it's funny because I we for some reason I remember watching Rhoda as a kid. But I don't remember Mary Tyler Moore and I don't remember Lou Grant. I know that they were in they were all kind of connected, but it was the Rhoda series mm-hmm. that got me. Um I, that I fell in love with and then re, and was able to then rewatch it now on one of the on one of the apps, you know, where you can kind of binge watch sure. it and just go on, I actually still love it. Like it holds well. <laughs> I feel it holds well anyway.
1: Yeah, when I was um, when I was younger, Rhoda used to play on like uh, like comedy networks and stuff, it probably was cheaper yes, to acquire probably, than yes, Mary than Tyler Mary Moore Tyler was. Moore. Yeah, but so I remember. Oh, I see what you mean. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember <laughs> Rhoda and just watching the heck out of it, and being knowing of the Mary Tyler Moore show, but not really right watching it till years later. And then I was like, Same. oh hey, Rhoda's yeah. in this show. <laughs> just yeah. the
2: opposite way of yeah. You know. I I'm baffled that I loved Rhoda because so much of the cultural references that are in Rhoda mean nothing to me or, or certainly when i was a kid meant nothing i didn't know anybody who was jewish i didn't know anybody who was american i didn't know anybody from new That's york i didn't crazy. know anybody in fashion yeah. like all of the cultural references in Rhoda meant nothing to me as a kid but i loved it as a kid and it's been lovely to rewatch again recently now i yeah. live in the city so that she's mm-hmm. that she's from so sure um so yeah Anyway, oh, sorry, I know you yeah. are we going off track, No, you're fine. No, that's <laughs> fine.
1: <laughs> Go off track. That's fine. I'll, I'll, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll circle back we'll, to we'll Phyllis later.
0: <laughs> I wanted to talk <laughs> so about John Hurt so because much. I wanted to talk about his performance oh, in, in this movie. Um, we, I, I was actually watching, I wanted to watch, because I have never seen The the Naked Civil Servant. So I was like, yeah, this morning, I was like, oh, I'll find a trailer. But I accidentally started watching the movie, thinking it was the trailer for some reason. So I watched the first 20 minutes of it. Um, with obviously John Hurt plays him, you know this isn't uh, what back in uh, nineteen seventy three, but like a, oh, well yeah. the movie came out in nineteen seventy. Yeah. yes, you would want to say. And I'm thinking to myself like, not only was it brave for Quentin, but it's also brave for we talk about like oh should straight actors play gay roles? Yeah. But it's also brave that John Hurt's doing this role. And he's doing such a great job in it as well. Um, I mean, we were talking about his performance, Jeremy, what would you say about John Hurt's performance as, as Quentin?
1: You know, I think like it, especially in the naked civil servant, it seems like, um, I mean, it's it's hard to do Quentin Crisp exactly, right? Because he's like, one in a million, based right? off his interviews and everything. But you were right, because I was like, man, it's like he's so good, but he still doesn't like it's still missing a it's little. It's still missing a little something, a little bit. And Bradley goes, well, yeah, Quentin Crisp is one in a million. I'm he like, can't correct. Really be like, <laughs> I Crisp. completely agree. Yeah, he is and, one in a million. Yeah, and so I th- I think he does an amazing performance there, but it's also like I hear. I hear how like his voice and his affectations are different in the first movie um and then seeing him here and I'm like wow his voice just you know obviously John John Hurt's voice right. gets gruffer over the years but it's not like rasp. but like yeah. I was like oh man he doesn't sound like whatever and then we listen to Quentin Crisp on his interviews and I'm like oh oh no their voices changed together Yeah <laughs> but it's not
0: like it's not like Joaquin Phoenix and like Reese Witherspoon in in like the the uh, Johnny Cash Right. And Jim Carter. Uh, you know what I mean? Where they don't really look it. and they're playing like this really like, I never think of them as Johnny Cash a lot. I really do think of sometimes yes. that I'm watching Quentin
1: Chris. You you either get like where somebody is somebody is either just making a character like they're just acting like themselves and, and saying they're the character or you get somebody who is Yeah. Almost like uh like caricature-ish there are it.
0: moments though when i am watching the movie and i think john hurt sometimes and it might be how it's written later on where it feels like he's kind of playing it too childlike wonder when i see interviews with quentin normally it just it seems like there's more of a maturity to him in a way it's like chance uh chancy Gardner, and like being here or yeah. yeah uh with uh what's his face can't think of his name right now gosh peter sellers yes right where it's like that almost that childlike wonder that you're like drawn to that where you're yeah. like "Ooh, he's he's kind of mystical and magical yeah. and wonderful and uh, i'm not saying that quentin is not but there is kind of he kind of plays that more to his advantage in the movie per se because you, he, he is playing such a big large character i don't know how you feel uh rich richard
2: yeah i think you know watch I, I have to confess i haven't watched the naked civil servant i really wanted to focus on um
0: i only watched 20 minutes of it
2: so, y- yeah. y- you know uh, uh an englishman in new york but um i, I mean i love john hurt well, very much too. as an actor and i and i and actually this is not his first like he has played several gay roles since the naked civil servant mm. and pre recreating the role uh, of Quinton in this movie and I uh, quite a major I can't I can't now can't remember the movie but I think he played with a quite a major Hollywood star they were like a police double act where one was straight one was gay and, lit, and it was just before AIDS I think I, I mean my memory may be wrong or before AIDS became kind of that kind uh, of I think because I think AIDS I think TV and films were kind of going towards more acceptance of gay characters in TV and movies and then AIDS kind of put a stop to it right so yeah. that's my memory. I may, that Somebody might tell me that's not true, but that's no. how I see it from my memories. Because um, I really remember John Heard being this gay character in this movie. Anyway, so he has played it before. And I think, you know, I think English actors of a certain age and a certain kind of pedigree aren't frightened of playing gay because, you know, they'll play Richard III in Shakespeare who was gay or something, that's you know, true. so it does, I think they see it. If they're not Hollywood leading actor kind of material, um, romantically, let's say, typically, they will i think english actors will play all these kinds of roles so i think you know to john it what to john hurt it probably wasn't that brave for him it's just another brilliant role that he could embody and and all of that um saying that sorry again i do i do go off on tangents um it's okay i felt his portrayal of quinton in, in, in an englishman in new york was both brilliant but i felt that was something missing yeah but i don't think it's missing because the movie missed it i think i think quinton was just this constant one-liner machine mm. yes so yes. if that's what you're portraying in the movie you kind of go like, why am i just getting one line because i think i actually were portraying quinton exactly as who he was but i do feel when you look at it compared to lots of other biopics and characterizations and everything else you feel something missing because they normally fill in yeah there's normally something to fill in or embody or whatever whereas i think to get Quinton right you just are dashing off one-liners all the time because he kind of just was, you know, he was quick with the, uh, with that. That was who he was as a personality. So he was kind of brilliant because you felt like it really was portraying him correctly. Um, but I felt it was, I wish I knew more. I guess it's not the film's fault. I just wish I knew more. No, I don't
0: think it's a film. Of I think the real this man, is a great film. Know? I think it's, it's yeah. very, well-written, yeah. very well-written, very
2: well-directed. Oh, completely, and, completely. Yeah. Yes, that's what I mean. It's like, I think the film's brilliant. Mm-hmm. So I'm not blaming the filmmakers that there's something sure. missing. I just think there's, there's, Maybe nobody really knew more about Quinton. Certainly at that time, it is one of those moments, (laughs) kind of
0: when you are you're listening to the film, you're watching the film, and you're like, you can't stop hearing his voice in your head. It's like you're watching Mm -hmm. like a film noir, and you start talking Mm. like a gangster, Uh, like uh, from the uh. forties. It kind of (laughs) reminds me of that, where you're just like, I'm gonna do a one liner now. Here we go, because it is one line after our one liner.
1: But but I think the th- yeah. I think the thing and maybe and correct me if I'm wrong too. I think the thing that, like I said it before, it's like he's he's great at it, but it's missing a little something. Mm-hmm. And it, after watching multiple interviews with Quentin Crisp, you mm-hmm. can see where. Somebody will say a question or he'll say something, and you can see his mind like shift to the yes. next thing. You like see his it, wheels his, turning. You see yeah. his eyes all of a sudden get this excitement in him because he's going to say something he thinks is funny mm-hmm. or he's going to jump right. to a topic and bring it there. But when you write that, when you're putting it all together, it doesn't have that spontaneity. It's mm-hmm. like a line, a line, a line. And there's really nothing you can do about that. You know, it's a script unless yeah. he was improvising. Well, again, and like well, watching an the biopic of
0: of Robin Williams, yeah, you know what I mean. Yes, he, he's better with just being off the cuff. Like he's always a like a step ahead of everyone, which yes. is great. What were we going to say, Richard?
2: Well, no, I'm sorry. I, I I suppose as an actor, and I've never been an actor, but I suppose as an actor, you're trying to find the truth of that mm-hmm. line. So John Hurt's finding the truth in it. He's not. He doesn't. He probably doesn't want to show the thinking because people might think he's thinking about remembering the line. And I wonder whether sometimes actors. Have that struggle yep. of I yeah. want, you know, will people think I'm struggling to find the line because I'm acting it? So he's going to veer yeah. away from from that. Be, even if trying to portray Quinton's thinking about what he's going to say may look like on film that he looks like he doesn't know his line. So I don't know. Just yeah. an observation. I don't know if yeah. that's true, but it, I just wonder if that feeds into it with that kind of yeah. uh, what actors are told to do or, or how they, you know, become great actors. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: even that is such um, a it's such a micro expression compared to like, and mm. John Hurt captures very well the stuff where like, he's he's saying stuff and you can tell like on his face that he's like, ooh, people are going to like mm. this or he's going to say something that mm. like, I think this is funny so I'm saying it. And his reactions mm. when people react negatively to things mm. he says. Yes. And he's yeah. like, well, wait a minute. Like, you yes. know, and he kind of like, it's, he you can see the struggle and John Hurt is very good at portraying that. Uh, yeah there was also a different
0: his reactions with this are a little bit different than in the nickel at least the beginning of the naked civil servant that i've seen Mm -hmm. because what he the story is really of the naked civil servant is his reactions of how he is um with being gay and his surroundings and in this one it's more of us how he reacts to what's um, happening around him, yes, you know, through the AIDS mm. and through um, New yeah. York and all that, that the moments, um, you know, especially through the characters with Philip and Patrick and even Penny and Connie. Mm. Not necessarily Connie so much because she's just kind of like there. played by Susie Kurtz, by the way. She's from Nebraska. Mm. Just thought I'd throw it in there. We got love her Nebraska. Love her. She, <laughs> she, she's Nixon, a joy. Of I like her. Yes. Yes. Sylvia Nixon is in this. Dennis Ware, uh, who is wonderful in this, and Jonathan Tucker, is also uh, in this as well. And uh, they just bring, um, you know, this this other aspect of of Quentin in his interactions with them. I think are wonderful and lovely that you don't necessarily get because mostly the naked civil servant is like him. It's like a survival guide in a way of like. This is what you need to do in order to survive, you know, the police. When yeah. the police come up to you and yeah. and catch you wearing makeup and all this. And and, and it's more like, then it's almost his wisdom that yeah. he's kind of like giving to uh, the younger youth in yeah. a way. Well, where not, he's like,
1: I'm out on this gay bar
0: well, not, telling these people. Yeah,
1: well, not only that too, but adjusting with the times. I think the, the storyline with Patrick, mm. where he's just like, you're right, love isn't for me. And mm. like, he basically is saying... He's, he's going by Quentin's, you know, Quentin growing up in the 30s and, and saying, or like coming out in the 30s and saying like, hey, we didn't have opportunities for love. Mm-hmm. We've seen in, in the interviews, too, where he's like, yeah, like, you know, they they said, well, I'm sorry, are you a prostitute? Were you a prostitute? And he's like, well, how do you think I was going to get it? Like, right. you know, if, if it was somebody else you were sneaking in, it was somebody who acted, who looked... Like, they blend it in and, you know, you say, oh, this is my nephew or this is my friend or whatever. And nobody bats an eye. But when you bring somebody like me around, there's questions. So, the only chance you have is, you know, turning tricks, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, his... He kind of relays in the, the movie that, you know, we didn't have that. There was no great love interest mm-hmm. for me because it was not something you expected. Like, that's right. not something you thought you was thought going you to would happen have. to you
2: yeah yeah and, yeah, yeah. its say like, you're taught to, to that that's not going to be an option for you yeah i guess yeah, yeah. And, and 30s, so he
1: you shuts know. it off and you know looks for what he can yes. uh and you see in the character of patrick who's like yeah that's never going to happen for me and quentin's kind of like now wait <laughs> like, you have like, opportunity yeah, yeah like, hold on, yeah. and tries to kind yeah. of like I think like, kind of like almost like pull him out of that. Mm-hmm. And then he finds out, of course, you know, late. if this was some other movie you might have where it's like, Hey, then he managed to pull him out of that, and mm-hmm. he, you know, found somebody and whatever. And then with the backdrop of the AIDS epidemic, mm-hmm. you know, he goes, well, I, you know, it's too late for that. And Quentin's kind of like, Oh yeah. shit. And so then he, I think that's the, the, the moment when I was like, where, yes, turns around where, a where Quentin was like, cause before yeah. it was, and we all know people like that, too. Like people who, you know, well, my struggle was I had to to fight getting beat up and, right. you know, do this in the 30s. So AIDS is just a fad. It's just another thing to overcome.
2: I, 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 that was heartbreaking. Yes. I found that very touching and heartbreaking because he didn't mean it cruelly. He, he you know, he was the master of the one line throwaway line, you know and he was doing what he's used to and he just, he was faced up with something that nobody knew yeah. enough about. Yeah. Um, and to be asked about it in his show, what is he gonna do, suddenly get serious? And, you know, Especially if he didn't know the facts, Yeah. Right? he did at the time. So I, I remember being very heartbroken for him that he just truly, just by accident, got it wrong. I, I don't think he at all would have meant it maliciously. Um, but as you're right, you know, by by, the te- by then he's like, what, 70 or something, seeing things come and go and probably yeah. just thought this is another thing that's going to come and go, you know, because he wasn't a doctor and understood it and all of that yeah. and, and things. So heartbreaking, I thought. And, and I think he showed that emotion, that kind of, he was both stoic and broken at the same time. Yes. And God, that's tough to, to play, I think. Yeah, so that's yeah, very, very much so. Um, Yeah, so that for me was where I really felt like he, he you could see the wheels turning, uh, of of his own survival trying to step away for his own protection it felt like he was used to being beaten up so every time they got a knockback, it was hard it was like i'm used to this yes um it's just another one um he seemed to you know so yeah i felt, you know that in those moments i felt john really john hurt oh, really yeah. did do um do quentin a lot of justice
0: let me ask you something link of course with like do you think because <laughs> quentin is such a like this is such a role it's not even a role because it's a it's obviously you know a real person but you get these kind of characters later on in gay films where it's i'm the guy into the, the bar that says the one line you know or <laughs> i'm i'm the window dresser who's jewish named rhoda that says the one line. right you know I, what i mean, I mean like I guess... you get these characters like it's like like when does it become a stereotype and when does it come not become a stereotype? Do you well, know I think, what I mean? I mean, I
2: don't think it is a stereotype. I, right. I, I, I think, because I think, I think we all know somebody like that. We mm-hmm. all know somewhere along our life. There's been that other person who may be copying the trope. You know, they may be thinking that they're Oscar Wilde or they may be thinking that they're yeah. Quentin Chris, but you know, living it in their own way. And then it's kind of like, you know, comedy writers have kind of picked up on what makes people laugh what does make people laugh at a Mm -hmm. private party or a private bar you know somebody who can tell a funny one line they may not be great as a comedian in you know if they were suddenly told to go and be you know a comedian for their career but in in the safety of a bar or a party they'll throw out a line and and have everybody laughing and i i think certainly in gay culture we do love that that kind of bitchy queen Mm -hmm. You know, but it's got to be funny. I mean, you can't be a bitchy queen and not be funny. It doesn't yeah. work. You've got to act. It's got to be piercingly funny. Uh, yes. um, and I tell you who's really good at that, by the way, is John, my husband. <laughs> <the mechanic. He's laughs> both both in real life and on his show, uh, I think are great. So, you know, he, it, it it carries on even under under um, understand the mechanic. But yeah. Um, I think that's why it works. I think that's why we, it resonates. You know, I mean, if he, he packs theaters out, not for a dramatic play, but for just answering questions. Right. And giving a throwaway line, people lapped it up. They, yeah. They, they, they really wanted it. And, yeah. Think um, about who that. Who does that? It? I don't
0: know. Who does that? Like maybe, um, oh God, I can't think of Like maybe David Sedaris does that with his yeah. mm. his readings, you know, but like, I don't think of anyone who just packs a theater just to hear someone talk. You know, it's mostly yeah. an act or singing. Like, who does that anymore? Well, but
1: but I mean, you get like one. You know, you get like one man shows and stuff like that. and A lot of those are scripted, but mm-hmm. like you do get people who are just humorists who just talk. Um, you know, run through their stuff, mm-hmm. and, and there's a long history of humorists and raconteurs and stuff with like similar. Love mm. that love that uh, word <laughs> the earlier i was just like i was like in my head i kept thinking oh my god don't don't say it wrong like i, <laughs> I always I, like i always have to say it twice because i say something i can't even like say it now that's fine but i always say it wrong and go that's not the word and I have to like repeat myself so i was like oh god do i just say something else funny people but no the oh, funny the people. uh but i mean think of like you know you have like your Truman Capote you have right. I mean mm. Mark Twain you have all sorts of people who have these lines and just talk and talk and can get into such a flow with it and like yeah they may reuse some materials but they can at least like extemporaneously speak about these things right. and so like it's mm. a skill it to a develop skill. to be both to be both witty and biting and and to your point Richard like biting to the point where it's like yeah, it, it was so sharp that it, you know that it I appreciate it. You know, it's yeah. not like yeah. it's not just like some yeah. heavy handed thing where you're just yeah. like, ouch, damn that's, you when, know, when that's you were brutal. Like that Pansy well, it, Division it was,
0: song when when he says I uh he thinks he's Oscar Wilde but he's Paul Lind. <laughs> like, I love I love yes, that Pansy wonderful. Division song. It's wonderful, wonderful. But but it's also like that's a they're a punk group that's uh, you know, as uh with uh but they're gay, and I love that. And, and, and in a way, like Quentin himself is kind of punk. In, Absolutely. Without, without even Absolutely. being punk you're, or like even realizing he is, because he's different. He's even different in his own community,
2: in a way. Do mm. you know? Mm. And it's so wonderful. Yeah, to no, watch. I, think that's, I think that's the definition of punk, isn't it? Like, it's not yeah. just being different, actually in your face putting it out there for the world to see going mm. i'm different and i'm confident about being different yep. and and f you if you don't like it and i you. think that you're right he was doing that in the 30s where before the word was even perhaps i don't know whether it was when it was invented but if, if it certainly wasn't you being used he certainly was defi- defining it uh back in that day ma- marvelously and and bravely um i think and, and i love the word brave about it i mean, I mean I love the sting element if I'm getting ahead of myself to talk about Sting, but sting mm-hmm. felt that he was a brave man, a very strong man for being so bold in his way of living his life. And, and, um, cause I did a little bit of research to make sure I was a bit more knowledgeable too today. And I just love that. <laughs> I love that sting. He didn't just, he didn't just throw a song and go, I'm dedicated. Like he actually was a passionate reason for being very impressed by Quentin's life. Um, and that bravery. And I think that's that, that punk, rap. you got it. I mean, you've got to be brave to be a punk, like a punk rocker. That yes. is a brave statement of who, of declaring who you are and what you look like, um, and okay. going out into the world doing it. You know, so, so yeah, I, mean, I totally concur on, the, on yeah. the use of the word
0: punk. If you're going to put yourself out there, you got to back it up too. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah.
2: The um, that, that takes strength. That takes a lot of strength. Yes. Even okay. today. Even today, um, and I, what, I lo- what I love about the one line is, as I think that's now tipped into culture, is now what we're calling the reading. If you follow drag race, you know this reading right. of people is the one liner takedown. But by God, it's got a, the best ones are the funny ones. When they're really truthful and they're really yes. funny, they're the best. And even the person being read would go, "Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. You got me right." Like if it works, the person being read should appreciate it for themselves. You know, even though they're the butt of the one liner. Um, Because I meant if because you go oh that's really clever you know so I love that that still exists in this place like it's it's still evolving um, to the to the very day you know
1: to now oh yeah very much so the um yeah and um yeah you know if if folks if you haven't watched this make sure you go and do that we you can actually find it uh, you can watch it with commercials on Tubi. I think it's on YouTube. I
0: found it on YouTube.
1: Yeah. So like you can just go case you can go watch this that. this movie in those places. Go definitely check it out. I mean there's so much more to talk about and unpack not only like that, that well. watch
0: interviews and read up on yes. the history mm. of it. Cuz not only is it a best history best. of him, but it's a history of of gay culture in cuz he saw a lot, you yeah. know what I mean. So it's not just someone that's oh i grew up and i'm in the 30s it's someone that evolved and through and saw so much yeah and had so much to say about what he was well, seeing. and
1: and not only that too like listen to interviews of people talking about, about him so like yes sting has uh like an mtv it was uh he did like a, a piece from what was it uh the MTV News MTV News Yeah, like where he uh, If you can get past Kurt Loder <laughs> uh, And he has a, huh. a thing where he's talking about uh, Why he wrote the song about Quentin Crisp And like talking about how he mm. sat with him And talked with mm-hmm. him And like all the stuff he's been through And you can just see that Sting is impressed And Sting is like, wow, yeah. this is stuff I mm-hmm. didn't know You know, like he, he goes there You can look at uh, videos with um, yes, Penny Arcade who was uh, did mm. a show with him, mm. and who uh, that's who Cynthia, Cynthia Nixon played. Nixon plays. Oh, and, uh, but but no, like Penny no, no Arcade, is, Penny Arcade is so, you know, talks about him and there's like a reverence and she appreciates him and like, you know, there was nobody like him and 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 it's amazing like how many people that he like touched, and especially with like his authenticity, they were just like yes, like this person lived out loud and lived authentically. And I still think that resonates. Yeah. Well, it's like
0: he's well. Um, I I put my phone number in the phone book. He says, and he's on Letterman. He's oh, talking. Yeah. He's, he, he's like, well, aren't you afraid that people are going to call? Do uh, you ever get uh, people that call in and threaten you? Oh yes, all the time. They say that they want to beat me up, and I say, how about Tuesday? You know, and it's just so
1: great that he's just like,
0: yeah, whatever. Like I've had to deal with this. Yeah, this sure. is not something new. It, this is just part or of my life he said
1: yeah. i make new friends that way yeah. people call and they're you know they want to talk with him and he's like all right cool yeah <laughs> and just made friends yeah. like he's he's a I genuine mean, person
2: i mean how magical when you think about it that's what happens every day when on facebook people will friend you and start talking to you and you know we wouldn't have done that with a phone because we didn't want strangers but now we welcome it with, with social media and there was quentin doing it with a telephone in yeah. new york back in the 80s it, it's very you know lots of funky things that he did that we're now doing and i love that too (laughs) Um, when you really dive in when you really dive in
1: very much so well there's and there's tons more to impact so make sure you go and watch those movies uh if you have not um but i think that maybe we should move into our five questions we shall amenable to that oh you ready for (laughs) <laughs> Lovely.
2: Oh, I I am. I think I am anyway. Let's see. Richard's right. been
1: prepared for this. I love it. He's a Boy Scout today. So, Bradley, I'll just go ahead and start with you on this okay. one. Okay. Uh, what do you think was the best part of the movie? Well,
0: obviously you have John Hurt. John Hurt's wonderful. Mm. We've talked about that, right? But I want to say my favorite thing about this movie. I know that that's not the, the real question. Isn't what, what my favorite thing is. It's what the best thing is. Yeah. But my favorite thing about this movie is the subtle performance of Dennis O'Hare as Philip, as he, Mr. Steele. Just how he was kind of like this caretaker for him mm-hmm. and was kind of the only one that could kind of just say, now Quentin, you know, yeah. like kind of in a way be not an adult to him, but kind of like just kind of guide him into this mm-hmm. new era of, of, you know, gay culture in New York, I kind of like Dennis O'Hare. He's kind of has the, it's kind of like he doesn't get the credit he deserves in this movie. Yeah. He kind of has the unsung role in in a way because Quentin's character is so bold, Yeah, you know, but of course it's gotta be John Hurt is probably the best part of this movie and the script. And honestly, for, because I I do believe this is a television movie, not bad for a television movie
1: Mm -hmm. at all. So uh, a, a a close second is Dennis Hoy, yeah. but uh, it's got to be John Hurt. Can I say and and I think the the interesting thing with that whole relationship between those two is mm-hmm. that uh, throughout the whole thing, Quentin has talked about how he will not have that love or he's not mm-hmm. going to be loved like that and it's mm-hmm. just not mm-hmm. for him. But really, without ever saying it and without even being romantic, not, necessarily, not sexual, like or, yeah. yeah, not like sexually you know the sexual tension or anything like that here's a this like a a love story almost Mm -hmm. with with the two of those like why does he stick with quentin through all these things you know why does quentin allow him to do these things and it's just there's kind of a a love there between the two of them Mm -hmm. that he maybe doesn't even notice for the longest time because he's just resigned himself not to Maybe they just don't know how to, you know, define what it is or say what it is, but you kind of get that feeling like there's that love there between them. Yeah. So agreed, Richard. How about you? What do you what was what do you think was
2: the best part of this movie? Ah, uh, that's a good. I, I I find that the toughest question to answer, um, because I think the film, I think if if it was like an action movie, you could easily answer. Oh, I love the fight scenes, or I love the chases, or I love the costumes, or you know, I I feel. I, actually, I think I think the way I would define it is I loved the way it portrayed New York. I think that's probably my favorite thing. Yeah. I mean, I love John Hurt and I think John Hurt, nobody else could have done it, nobody. I think they'd have really struggled if another actor did it, who may have done a great job, but I think that connection to the original portrayal of the Naked Civil Servant is 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 what makes the film brilliant, I think, because it is John Hurt and you feel that. Um, but I think the portrayal of New York in the kind of giving it that glimpses of what that difference is of why he's in New York and how... Um, uh, that's different to being in England. I think that for me is maybe I see that in sharp focus because I I live that now, that kind of difference of New York. So I was going to say John Hurt, but as you you know as that's already been said, I'll 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 dive into that, that kind of the feeling that they do portray of what New York is from the raw edge of like uh, the kind of the the heightened sexual clubs that he went to, through to the diners, through to the shishi parties he got invited to. That is New York. It's a it's the it's everything from raw sex club through to champagne and, and peanuts, as he, as he can <laughs> Um Great It really is New, that is New York. That's not untrue. They, did, they captured that, and I love that um, very, very much.
1: Well, I found it interesting, too. Like, they do this thing where it's almost, they portrayed almost the opposite like other shows and movies did. Yeah. Like, more towards, like, the early 2000s, where you had a lot of, like, the old New York was gritty, but now look how we've cleaned it up. You know, mm. and you see Quentin come into a place that's, you know, kind of got this chaos, but he's like, this is beautiful and I love it. And you get the sense of, like, beauty and excitement from it. And as they kind of gentrify and clean stuff up and, like, the old businesses leave and stuff and, like, Penny Arcade's walking with him down this very drab street. And she's mm. just like, yeah, all this interesting stuff is gone now. And so it's almost like this reverse from what you expect. Mm-hmm you know it's yeah, going to be true. Right? it goes from like exciting to, all the to fun it's it. gone and yeah. it's
2: and it's still happening they still like you, you talk to like john my husband who grew up in new york he you know he says that that still happens so things came you know after quentin things came now well, they've gone recently as it's even continuing mm-hmm. to gentrify you know especially mm-hmm. with the pandemic yeah that we've just um sorry for not making your episode evergreen because we're because of mentioned the pandemic but um <laughs> Even even more so even more so now, I think out in the back of that, although, you know, the resurgence of life in New York is magical to see as a kind of because you don't when you live in a city, you don't see it coming back to life because it doesn't normally die. But have, it's the irony of now seeing it come back to life and it's coming back with a vengeance. So, yeah, um, that must be interesting so yeah.
0: to see that, like, especially in New York. You know, with yeah. a city that's so yeah. alive to begin with, and yeah. you know, the city that doesn't sleep, and you have this pandemic you, that kind of, you know, yeah, kind of cradled. It did it. we went yeah. to
2: sleep for a bit, and now we're yeah. waking up. It's great. It, it it's you know, it's obviously lots of sadness, but it is a, it is interesting to see. Um. So yeah, anyway,
0: that's wonderful. Good answer.
2: Excellent. Thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I think the best part of it is uh, the best part of this movie is the honestly the way the the transition is portrayed between uh like where where quentin realizes i think that the world is changing, changing. a little bit like and he needs to adjust because mm-hmm. it's such a i think the way it happens the, the way it's portrayed is very subtle but at the same time it's like it's got this quiet kind of passion behind it where like he never apologizes for being himself and living loudly and you know, he's he's unapologetic in that, but he takes steps to kind of write things. Yes. And uh yeah. it it's kind of around the moments with Patrick. Like you start seeing where like John Hurt portrays his portrayal is very like, oh my gosh, like what I've said and what I've done has repercussions and he adjusts accordingly. I I definitely like that. Um, I think that like, I was just kind of up to that point. I was like, okay, I get it. It almost just seemed like I was afraid it was going to be kind of a flat biopic. And at that moment I was I was afraid
0: of that too. Huh? I was afraid of that too. Yeah.
1: And that's when I started going, oh my gosh. Okay. We're, we're doing something like, here's where, Mm -hmm. here's where we're getting like the, the sizzle to this This is where he's starting to, Mm -hmm. the, the passion is portrayed differently. He's helping people. He's you know, still going on tours and he's doing these things, but like what he's saying is a little bit different. He's adjusted his approach. Like, I like seeing that It made me feel, um, more sympathetic to the character. And, um, I think appreciated a lot more. And like, it made me think, I have to think about not just from Quentin's perspective, but older people in the, in the gay community who have been through so many things where you're like, Hey, I saw this, you know, now we now it's more probably adjusted to like, hey, like you know, I grew up and you know saw the AIDS epidemic and saw these things happen in the community, and now we have different things going on and like adjusting the approach, and that's not always an easy transition. Yeah. It, it's hard to say like, oh, now I have to learn something new or to whatever. And it kind of reminded right. me that like to be able to support, not you know, as we're trudging ahead, we make sure that we're also. Thinking of our uh the older members in our community and right. how you know working with them and you know how we approach things and are we quick to write them off? Or are we like giving right. more guidance and talking through things and like having those conversations? That
0: community, but like the whole alphabet, the LGBTQ yes. plus yeah, yeah. alphabet
1: as well, right? Yeah, yeah no, and so that's, I, like that. I think I think that the way that's portrayed is a very good reminder. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely. I was like, yes, I need to be better about that. And so I think that's why that's probably my favorite part is because it it actually made me go back and think about it. And then Mm. like, you know, like a lot of times movies, I'm like, ah, interesting or like, you know, it's like, you see something, you're like, oh, that's cool. But this one actually made me kind of, uh, hold like a mirror up to myself and how do I approach things? How do, uh, you know how am I approaching others in our community and stuff like that. So there you go. Uh, second question: Do you think this movie stands on its own? Actually, Richard, I'm going to start with you on this one.
2: Um, yeah. I mean, I think I I think it does. I think it I because it, it's certainly a different story. It's certainly you know his latter years. He became, as you said, he became a different person, and I think that change of who he is because um, i honestly think he didn't realize that his throwaway lines were going to resonate beyond the moment i think he thought i'm entertaining this audience in front of me i'm saying this quip that's it it's over once i've said it you know i don't think you so i don't think he ever had that feeling until and then as you said i think it did did dawn on him that i'm i you know i am so i think i think for me yeah i think you know i didn't watch the naked civil servant i think they could be obviously watched together and separately so for me um uh, yeah, I think it really does stand stand alone. I think you, you, there's no missing pieces um, that you're kind of struggling with to, to work out. I, I think you know it's about it's it's very specifically his story in that moment of of being in America. So yeah, I i say it stands alone.
1: Yeah, and I would I would completely agree mm-hmm. with that too because and Bradley, you're over there nodding your head as well. Well, yes,
0: I, I agree with that, but then you do have this moment in. The um, the Englishman, where they do mention at the beginning, yeah. the naked civil servant. In a way, it has that mm. exposition still yeah. of a sequel of of the first movie. But yes, it does. You can watch this on on its own. Well, but a double feature would
1: be well, and to watch both. Oh. The whole thing on it is so bizarre, and I was like, "Oh my god, what's happening?" Because mm-hmm. Dennis O'Hare's character mentions yes. the naked civil servant, which means like mm-hmm. he's talking to. He's John talking Hurt to playing John Quentin Crisp, Herb. who would have done the intro. Because in the naked he's Talking to Quentin servant, Crisp, yeah. Quentin Crisp actually introduces it. So that's the Quentin Crisp it Ugh. would have been. But I was like, okay, but then How so he's meta. referencing John Hurt was Ben so the the John Malkovich
0: all over again. Yeah. <laughs> that's great.
1: And so I think that's where the kind of. And we mentioned at the beginning, like uh at the top of this thing about you know it's it's kind of a sequel but also not like and people de- actually people debate this online a lot when we were trying to figure it out people disagree on this very strongly some people say it is a sequel because it's the same actor and like it seems to pick up yeah and I mean, then the color others of say, money
0: is I a mean, sequel of the Hustler. yeah but it's, it's the same also actor.
1: yeah it's the same actor but it's also very clearly set in the same universe but some people just say yeah, no it's one's color just, one's black and white it's we just can, john just hurt playing that. the same you know roll twice whatever and so yeah, yeah. it's there's a yeah. great I debate mean, about it but that was when he said that and i was like oh no i don't know what to do like my brain just <laughs> kind of started shutting down kind so. of in a way
0: it takes you out of it for two seconds but then it's it's kind of a fun well, not yes it is. But you can watch both of these back to back i mean you can watch it separate yeah. um and if you can't yeah. if you want to watch one and not the other fine go for it but watch both well, i think of them. it's both
2: yeah, I think, it's yeah. Both, I think it's both a sequel and it's not a sequel I think yeah. that's the trick yeah. of it. It, it it is a sequel in so many ways because of its connections but it certainly isn't a sequel because it's not you know it's produced 20 or 30 years apart and very much different production companies and TV channels and everything you know so it, it, it there's reasons you could say it isn't but I think there's lots of reasons you could say it is and I think there's yeah. no right or wrong answer mm. in my yep. heart. Would um. this be
1: a would this be a Quentin Crisp movie if it didn't just say screw the rules I'll be whatever I want to be? Well, there we go. Very good question. <laughs> just thumbing its nose
0: at you, saying whatever. Okay, go ahead. What's okay. our third question? Uh,
1: third question. I always,
0: you know we've been doing this 151 episodes. I, I don't even know the questions.
1: Well, I'm I'm pretty sure that our order has changed up at least once. So it's
0: I always ask it. you, what's the next question? Okay. And
1: I'm pretty sure I've asked the same question yeah. in our five questions multiple times. I'm sure times. you have. Um. Does this make you want to watch the first
0: oh, one? I haven't just watched um, the first 20 minutes of, of it. Yeah, it makes me want to watch the first one because I do enjoy John. Hurt. I love John Hurt and I love the story and I want to know more. In fact, um, I was I found clips and I, we were watching clips of it. So it makes me want to not just watch the first one, but to learn more yeah. about about him. You know?
2: Yeah, I think I agree. I think I, 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 I'm I not going to rush to watch The Naked Civil 7. I will get to it at some point.
0: No, you um, should rush now. I, do it right now while, well, while we're that, talking. <laughs>
2: um, but I've enjoyed doing a little bit of extra research and finding out a little bit more of those facts and figures about um, Quentin Crisp that I, I kind of didn't know that the movie didn't cover and, and yeah. stuff. Um, so, yeah, for me, that, and I guess that's kind of connected to being on the podcast is that like, I, I do like to make sure I know what I'm talking about. Um, so dived into doing a bit of, you know, research online and looking at photographs and, uh, and different things and learning a bit more. So for me, it did, it made me do that. Um, and I will get to the naked civil servant, um, probably soon, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's, and just, just watching the preview, um, it does definitely make me want to watch it, but like, I even noticed some interesting things in the first moments of, that movie, which makes me want to watch it even more. Um, there, well, there's like, um, uh, Quentin meets other people who are dressed very similarly to him. Right, who, They all kind of dress alike and you know, it's, it's the style. And, mm. but then I think about in, uh, Englishman in New York where they go into a bar and they're like, Oh, these are the clones. Mm-hmm. They all dress. Yes, alike. That's
0: what it reminded me of. And yes. he kind of has yeah. this
1: like passing judgment about it. But then I'm but like, I'm like hey, but you when just... we saw that part in the naked civil servant, I'm like, but we wait a saw,
0: minute, you were
1: a clone. What are you I talking know, right? about? And so, yeah, it's, I'm like even more intrigued now because I want to like see.
0: Well, it was funny because I was, because I I think when I, we were watching that scene, I was like, are they just like all like Mr. Humphreys from like, are you being served over yes. there? Like, I was just like, Mr. Humphreys, are you free? I'm free. What's going on? How
2: can I help
1: you?
0: <laughs> free Mr. Granger. Mr. Granger. <laughs>
1: Okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> um... Do you, uh... Richard, I'll start with you on this one, too. Yes. Do you, um... Cool. So this is kind of like our, you know, bang, marry, kill kind of what thing. Brain. <laughs> I okay. don't know how to explain it. It's the best way to explain it.
2: In, in, Eng- in English, well, no, sorry, in England, it's shag, marry, kill. So. Is shag, marry, kill? Mary just kill? I'm going to say that one for just now Just to give on. you a little bit I've... of... Uh, for a bit of... Uh, um, de- Kind of a different take on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with
1: Shag Mary um, Kill going so what forward. We,
2: what's the question? For, with respect reboot, to a continue,
1: movie? or cancel? Would you would you reboot these? Oh gosh, would you um, continue oh, them? Who would play them?
2: That's the, that's the question. Well, I think that's the I think I think it'd be really interesting if a really good director, um, got their hands and told the story from beginning to end. I think if you're going to do the story again, why not combine it and tell his life story from beginning to end. Um, the difficulty is obviously you've got John Hurt. You've got to, any actor that's got to follow John Hurt, but I think it could be done. Um I, I'm Reboots. I, I mean, it, it's about. I think reboots. Sometimes I I often look at things and think, why have you redone it? It was such a beautiful movie in its originality. Why did it need to be tampered with? And I and I know that the argument is well, new audiences need new reasons to, uh, you know, all of those kinds of things. Although well, I, I, half of me thinks just Hollywood is a frightened. You know, frightened to make something brand new. They know that a reboot has some kind of following and they'll do a reboot because they know it's kind of an instant box office hit. Um, whereas I think the bravery, a braver decision is to create a brand new movie off a brand new story. Um, so I don't know. I, I, it's one of those where I'd have to see it and go love it, hate it, because it's going to come down to the person playing John Hurt. Uh, sorry, look at me, playing, playing Quentin Crisp um, and, and finding that delicious actor or two or three actors, maybe, that could Ooh. play it from beginning to end. Ooh, um, I didn't even think of that. Because, well, I, I mean, just to put it back into some other campery, I saw the Cher show in New York, and they had three actresses play it yes. from the younger to the older, and I and I'd never really seen that before, and I um, except in movies where they're normally doing it as a child, like a child version, and then the adult, and that's it. But they to have an actual transition uh, could be fun, um, but it's going to be one of those. I say yes because I think, maybe, you know, if if a script landed on my desk, you know, I put my producer hat on and someone says, look, the new movie of The Life of Quentin Crisp is in your hands. Would you do it or not? And I'd go, it'd be an honor to do it. So. So, yeah, I'd say, yeah, okay. I wouldn't say no to it. So how could how could I? So yeah. I'd say, yeah, let's let's do a not a, not a reboot. I don't know whether the reboot's the right thing, but I'd, I a, some kind of version of, of his story, I'd say yes. Let's do it. Let's try and do it, and do it justice. Yeah, and
1: see, I'm I'm with you there, and I I think that idea of, you know, multiple actors playing Quentin Crisp is brilliant. I think of like if you've never seen I'm Not There, uh, by Todd Haynes. So it's a, uh, it's like a biopic uh, about Bob Dylan.
0: Right. Oh, okay. Yes.
1: But it's got multiple actors. It's got multiple like, actors playing. It's Bob got Dylan. like uh, in
0: di- in different aspects of his life yeah
1: a young black boy right. plays him at one time then a woman then it's yeah. like a western kind of thing and that's it's just interesting like that's, all these... i like that yeah and i could see like if you just had all sorts of different people different types different you know yeah backgrounds yeah. playing quentin
0: crisp yeah
2: i
1: could that's totally get juicy. behind that yeah
2: well i one of the tidbits that i researched was that in in quentin's very very later years or or last year or two he had decided that he was actually uh trans um which uh, reasoning i don't know about why he didn't think that earlier but he is on record of saying that he, he decided that actually what he truly was was a, was a trans woman and it'd be interesting if you do that then that the the person that plays him in his last years could be a trans woman and you know, honoring yeah. the yeah. spirit yeah. of what he has decided he was could be lovely yeah. you know and i like that we actually said like all different kinds of other people to play as younger years. But, um, so it seems like we've sat you know, this is what, I guess, a producer team would do. We've just suddenly worked out how to do it now and do it yeah. with joy and honor. So, so yeah, you know, isn't that great? <laughs> well,
0: I was thinking like Ian McKellen for his like later well, yes. years oh, would be good.
1: he'd do a great job. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You know. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost like, oh, I I'm thought sold. that earlier too. I was like, well, that's almost, that's almost two on the <laughs> uh, yeah, Well, yeah.
2: Kind of. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, because what you've got with him is he's playing, a, he could play a great John Hurt playing Quentin Crisp. That's probably what Ooh. you'd get with Ian McKellar. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he, <laughs> you'd get it all, you'd get all the. people in one.
0: The John Hurt pie <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> John Hurt in, yeah. Actually, in they, <laughs> New York, and it's just, <laughs> it's,
1: it's the story of the movie. Keeps going and going,
2: like, just God, a We're Meto within Meto now. <laughs>
0: yeah. What do, you, um, what do you think, Brad? I mean, that's... I mean, Ian McKellen, That's what there I you go. That's your answer? I think, okay, good. Yeah, no, I mean, like, it, like I love what we're talking about. Yeah. And I do like the whole idea of, like, like you saying, because he, he's so one in a million, why not have multiple people play him? Yeah. I because agree. there's no one that could be him. Yeah. Just to show you that there's no one that could possibly yeah. be the real Quentin. Why not have all these people just play them. So, no, nah, I'm, I'm with you on that. So yeah. I agree oh, with everything
1: that's been said. Excellent. All right. Wonderful. And, and so our,
0: and I love that Richard said juicy. That's juicy.
1: As, as in, in
0: like a British, like I love, I love, it's juicy. He says, "I love it."
2: It's. I mean, I I'd say I haven't acted. You know, I haven't acted professionally, but I do. You know, I, I love the old British acting terms. Like it's a juicy role. Like you know, if, if it's a juicy character to get into, juicy, that's how it's used. I love and it. I love, and I, I I bring that with me to this to this lovely day.
1: Well, we appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. I knew you would. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right.
1: Question five. Oh, God. Do we have to? So th- yes, we do. So, I'll, Bradley, I'll start with you. Oh, thanks. Is. So <laughs> that you can okay. show how it's My stuff. two words? Yeah, some of your experience oh, in two words.
0: Uh, Quippy Galore, which is also my Bond villain name, by the way. Quippy Galore. Quippy
1: Galore. Quippy Galore.
2: Quippy Galore.
0: It was
1: originally not, played just... by Phyllis Diller. Yeah, it's just, uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> Phyllis Diller played Qu- Quippy Galore. Yes,
2: that's lovely casting for that. <laughs> I can see that whole. i now. I've got that whole character. It's brilliant.
3: <laughs> um,
0: just this quip after quip, like I was telling you about. Like, yeah, I kept going in my head when I watched it. I, I want to write like lines for Quentin. Or you just want to write these lines that are just so quick and so wonderful. So, um, that's just. I and mean, I know he's more than just that. Yeah, you know, like mm, he's a man yeah. that 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 uh comes from more of a complex background, but it's just so infectious and so fun. Um so I love the Quips, so Quippy Galore. Uh, which again is my Philistiller Bond villain name that Richard just wrote for me. Yeah yeah. Which I love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it wrote a juicy roll, a juicy roll.
2: It, it, I can see the whole comic like it should be like a comic, you know, of, of a whole brand new character derived <laughs> from that, you know, and see Phyllis Diller like killing do, do you know, enemy, enemy agents whilst, whilst telling her crazy style of jokes. <laughs> um, uh, I, I've got to do two words now, haven't I? Oh my god. This is this is the hard one because yeah, I yeah. think there are That's what he said. I, I feel like there's lots of <laughs> but I'm <bonch>. um, <laughs> I I, I these are not the right words because I think they don't say enough, but I feel the balance of them is very truthful and it's happy, sad yes, or sad, happy.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, he's joyous and happy in his freedom and seeing how he can be who he is in New York. But there's an underlying sadness that he is doing it in the years where he can't maybe enjoy it to its full. Mm -hmm. Um, so it to me, it's a very much, a, it's 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 happy, sad. He's happy and sad. It, it, it Just that's what I feel for the movie, you know, for the way it's portrayed in the movie. Yeah. Yes,
0: some melancholy yeah. in there. Mixed yeah. With, mixed you know. with some joyous laughter. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah,
2: no, I would agree with that. Yeah.
0: It sounds juicy. Oh.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to do something with juicy, but it's just not quite right. <laughs> <laughs> What's the alternative to juicy? So I don't know. So that's the Drive. other one. How do you do a two... Juicy, dry. No. That's, no,
3: nice.
0: no. <laughs> that's the opposite, not the alternative. Oh, okay,
2: the alternative. Not oh, that.
1: that's true. I was just going with the opposites. I was mm-hmm. really going on that on the SATs. Uh,
0: <laughs> Jeremy, what are your two you words?
1: Yes. My two words are... Don't forget. Uh, and because I think mm-hmm. that... You know, as... And I, I came out later in life... And, uh, later in my life. And, like, you know, I think that, you know, I did not know much about Quentin Crisp. And I think there's a lot of people who don't necessarily. They, you know, were growing up at a time where he was, like, at the end, you know, it was maybe there were some things that didn't seem relevant at the time. You know, like, even in this, like, where he he spoke out and he, said that, you know, AIDS was a fad, which caused some blowback. I think that times were changing and, and, you know, he was still catching up. And so I think that a lot of who he was and what he brought kind of got lost in that. But I think, like, understanding Quentin Crisp, I think you learn more about, like, not just as a person, like, in the LGBTQ plus communities about how to you know live unapologetically I think like you also learn about the people who came before you and what they Mm. sacrificed and what they had to go through and how the the challenges and struggles were different and I think like and I'll admit I didn't know much about him before researching this I knew of him and had seen him before but I never like really went in depth with this and so I learned so much that I'm just like yes, like this is important to know. Not that I didn't know that you know oh. things in the past were a struggle, but you know, like I I think it taught me a lot with sure. it, and I think it's important to not forget.
2: No, good. Mm. I love that. Wonderful.
0: Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I I, I think that uh, uh, I think that's all uh, that we can say about that movie. Yeah. I say go watch this movie, don't you? Yeah. Agree? Definitely. Yeah, especially if you want to learn a little bit more about the history of uh, LGBT and uh, plus, go ahead and watch this. Watch Torch Song Trilogy as well, yeah. mentioned oh. by Richard as well. Great yes. movie. Oh,
3: uh,
0: that's on HBO. You can watch that. Um, but is it? Yes, is it? it's on HBO Max. You can watch that. Oh my!
2: God. Oh, that's okay. Oh, that's gosh. where I
0: watched it. When you when you mentioned when uh, we were watching it and, and you said something, yeah, we were watching it.
2: Uh, HBO. I. I my little snippet on that is i watched that in the cinema as a yeah. 17 year old gay boy in 1989 crazy it's to me I been with it. me been with me all my life love it love it love everybody Well, i've been there. trying all to find
0: it. it forever but no one's streaming it to get. it yeah. has
2: been in print and uh, and stuff so it's it's uh so, yeah. So, anyway, sorry. But, uh, no. Just, just wonderful. No, wonderful. you're fine.
0: But, Richard, tell us where people can find you, your work, um, uh, any of the work that uh, you're involved with. Yeah.
2: Um, cool. I mean, head to grayjonesmedia.com. That's G R A Y, uh, jonesmedia.com. And you'll find all of our stuff there. But, like, if you're in, you've got Beowulf Magazine, Queer 40, uh, uh, gamingmag.com, we've got Stand the Mechanic is on here TV. Um, and if you want to go to Hair TV and get a free month watch, use the code STAN666. Um, and you can kind of get a free month and watch all of the Stand The Mechanic and all the other stuff they've got there. And then Jonathan Kitchen is on Reverie.TV, which is on your Apple TVs and all your kind of uh, Roku and all of those lovely things. Uh, or you just go to Reverie.TV on your PC or phone and watch anything you want on Reverie, but especially Jonathan's Kitchen Seasons taste. Taste. Um, and yeah, we're on all the, we're on all the socials. Um, you know, from there you'll find all of our socials for Bear World and quiff Forty and stuff, and just follow along. Lots of different things for different people. So I love um, it. So yeah, and I'm so glad. And I'm Richard. And I'm Richard G Jones on socials. If you feel like following and finding me,
0: do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> do, it, do, it do it. Jimmy, where can people find us?
1: Uh, people can find us at theDeucePodcast.podbean.com. What? Yep, it's true. Uh, you can find us on Google Play. You can find you us on Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcast. What? All those kind of podcatchers. Crazy. Uh, You can also find us uh, on Facebook uh, at Deuce Podcast. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at Deuce Podcast. Um, But then you can also find us on nophonynetwork.com, which is our podcast network. Um, We have all sorts of different friends on there who Mm. podcast things from, from many different backgrounds. So you have sports. You have international sports, you have uh, audio dramas, you have um, really things from all over the world. If you you know are interested in literature, we got that. Um, we even have different comedy shows, uh, sketch shows. A,
0: a British sketch. Uh, yeah. Sketch British, British, British
1: show. Yeah. Rele- like. Release the Clowns. Yes. Yeah. Which is lovely. It is amazing.
2: Okay. Um, oh, I'm intrigued. I'm going to come follow all this.
1: Oh, you yeah. You need to hear them. They are amazing <laughs> i i die laughing every time mm. I, I play their stuff so mm-hmm. um but yeah go check that out nophonynetwork.com uh and and you know just kind of peruse it mm-hmm. richard
0: thank you for uh, joining us
2: for this yes, episode thank we you it. so much oh thank you for having me it's true joy to kind of talk about uh, a movie i mean you know a great movie you boys are great um it's a thrill to just kind of gab about my thoughts about a movie um so tr- really 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 so happy to have joined you guys i love it thank yeah, you so we much. we were very honored to have you here we appreciate it so oh, much
0: <laughs> what did i say oh please keep going go on <laughs> go on go on, oh, go on. tell me Tom. more Tom. <laughs> all right and remember be loud be proud and the sequel is king
3: See, my my dear.